welcome to Friend Circle. This is Ed Angeles. We're now on episode 14 of this podcast. And this time we'll be discussing intelligent process automation and its significant relevance to our digital economy. For today's podcast episode, we'll be talking to a C-level executive, Mr. Ajay Kotkar, the founder and chief executive officer from Argus Global Limited in Hong Kong, SAR China. As he shares with us the value it will bring to an organization. So let's get started. listening to Fin Circle and welcome to our podcast. With intelligent automation technologies, organization can transform business processes, not only achieving higher speed and precision, but also automating predictions and decisions on the basis of structured and structured inputs. Some analysis reveals that there are three primary benefits for driving uptake of the technology. Organizations expect to achieve increased productivity and cost reduction, as well as greater accuracy and an improved customer experience. Executive estimates that intelligent automation will provide an average cost reduction of 22% and an increase in revenue of 11% over the next three years. However, those organizations currently scaling intelligent automation said that they already have achieved a 27% reduction in cost on average from their implementation up to date. There are some expected benefits from intelligent automation adoption and they are the following. The first one is improved customer experience, followed by increased productivity, as well as cost reduction and improved analytics. This also provides accuracy and improved employee experience, together with reducing of some fraud and avoid fines. There are two barriers for organizations at all stages of adoption and there have been reported that be the following. One of them is what we call the process fragmentation and their IT readiness. Process fragmentation, the way daily processes are managed in a wide range of methods at the desktop level is felt by 36% of survey respondents to be the biggest barrier. IT readiness, on the other hand, in terms of 
infrastructure and systems is considered the biggest barrier by 17% for most organizations. Organizations piloting automation also see a lack of vision and ambition for intelligent automation as a key barrier, while speed of implementations becomes much more significant for organizations implementing or scaling automation. An emerging key trend is that organizations often lack the talent too. For example, the developing of centers of excellence. And that creates significant demand for third-party vendors, such as system integrators. It has also been anticipated that a shift from building in-house capabilities to buying automation as a service, driven by continuing cost pressure, is part driven by digital disruption. And transition to cloud technologies, talent shortages, and the challenge of managing a rapidly changing product and vendor ecosystem. Accompanying this is a transformation in the roles of center of excellence, and these are the evolving from enablers of intelligent automation to internal marketplaces or exchanges for digital assets, for instance. Some are even going beyond this to become directors of operational improvements powered by intelligent automation. And this is an important trend and is reflected in the creation of open marketplaces by RPA vendors, for example. Six key factors for intelligent automation success. Analysis of the survey data reveals a picture of organizations that are clearly benefiting from intelligent automation. Such organizations have six distinguishing characteristics. The first one is an enterprise-wide strategy for intelligent automation. Typically, companies that have an enterprise-wide strategy report higher returns in terms of additional workforce capacity, cost reduction, and an increase in revenues. They reduce costs on average by 24% and increase revenue by 8%. Whereas organizations without an enterprise-wide strategy reduce costs by 14% and increase revenue by 3% on average. The second one is combining robotic process automation with artificial intelligence. And this approach appears to be the most powerful factor, helping organizations increase revenue. Organizations combining the two report an increase in revenue by 9% on average, while those that do not increase revenues by only 3% on average, almost half or 45% organizations scaling automation combine RPA and AI, while only 20% of organizations piloting and 36% of those implementing are doing the same. The third one is technology, infrastructure, and cybersecurity. Organizations with a supportive IT function with a required technology, infrastructure, and cybersecurity in place are far more effective at reducing their cost. On average, they report a 21% reduction in costs compared to 13% among organizations that lack these functions. The fourth one is what we call mature process definitions, standards and processes, and mature process definitions, standards and processes leads to higher gains in back office workforce capacity. Organizations with these in place achieving an average increase in back office workforce capacity of 19% compared to 12% among organizations which do not. The fifth one is clear understanding of how to capture value. A clearer understanding of how to capture value from an intelligent automation leads to much higher reduction in cost. Executives with a clear understanding report 
their organizations reduce costs by 21% on average, while those lacking a clear understanding reduce costs by 15%. However, executives who say that they have a clear understanding of how to capture value do not report significantly higher gains in revenue. In fact, it's 6% compared to 4%. And it is possible that they are not ambitious enough in their targets to reap the full benefits. The sixth one is actually the radical simplification driven by a need for cost reduction. And in view of this, the scaling organizations are more likely to agree that the main purpose of their strategy is simply the radical simplification which is driven by a need for cost reduction and some 73% do so while only 61% of piloting organizations take the same stance one of the good things about this is that for this year 2021 2021 it looks to be a breakout year for intelligent automation firms have targeted low value opportunities for task-based automation and will increasingly seek to incorporate more advanced analytical as well as artificial intelligent technologies as part of their solutions Successful exploitation of the possibilities will require organizations to clear path to scalability that delivers quantifiable results and return on the investment. As such, organizations that have mature process definitions as well as standards and process management and also have the support of an effective center of excellence are definitely most likely to benefit and most from the intelligent automation. Likewise, those organizations or corporations that develop the skills to redesign the workflows and enhance the capabilities needed to harness intelligent automation will be in a much better place to take advantage of these wonderful opportunities. And most importantly, I think the intelligent automation is pretty much on its way to provide more significant benefits to all if not most of the organizations that we have today. In today's podcast episode, we have invited Mr. Ajay Kotkar, founder and chief executive officer in Argus Global Limited from Hong Kong SAR China, as he shares with us his valuable insights about intelligent process automation. It's great to have you, Ajay, and welcome to FinCircle. Hey, hi. Hi, Edgar. Thank you for having me on this uh, podcast. Looking forward to it. Let's probably start by defining on what is intelligent process automation and the potential benefits that we'll get from it. Okay, so um, to, to all the audience, uh, thank you for... Um, listening to this podcast. Um, and Edgar, to start with your first question, um, what is intelligent process automation? So intelligent process automation is an industry standard norm that's evolving uh, over the last few years. Basically, it's a collection of um, various emerging technologies. When I say emerging technologies, it's basically robotic process automation, artificial intelligence, 
natural language processing, cognitive agents, smart workflows, all these kind of emerging technologies, and a lot more than that, which are used together to manage, automate, and integrate digital processes. So when we say intelligent process automation, it is precisely we start with a business process, and that's usually the starting point. Um, and every organization is built on processes, which are built by people, right? Um, and what we've realized is, um, over a period of time, um, in most of these organizations, in most of these organizations, um, processes have been built over many, many years. Um, and even if there is, they are documented with a standard operating procedure, they are followed differently. If it's a, you know, for example, it's a, it's a large organization in different places, the same process is followed differently by different people. Secondly, some processes are running for the last many, many decades because somebody 10, 15 years back had decided to do it in a particular manner. And that has continued. Nobody's questioned it. So, Intelligent process automation has a three to four prong approach. So the first approach is we look at the process. We look at the process and see how that can be made efficient. There is no technology involved here. Um, it is only making the process efficient. Once you make the process efficient, then you look at how you can automate this process by using these various technologies. And obviously it needs to come with a very definite positive outcome for the business or for the enterprise or for the people who are actually doing it. So um, there is a methodology in which you uh, conduct this entire exercise. And of course we have our own proprietary framework in, way, in the way we actually conduct this whole thing. And our approach has always been um, that we look at four distinct parameters when we take an, any assignment or when we are engaged on any of these um, so-called IPA, intelligent process automation journeys for any organization, is first we look at um, the people. So people are the ones who created the process and people are the ones who are very important in running these processes in, in, you know, efficiently. So we look at the people who are involved. We look at the process itself because the process itself is important. Um, you know, why does a paper move from one desk to the other? Why does an approval go from the system from A to B? Or you know, uh, why does um, uh, uh, someone from finan finance enter um, a particular uh, purchase order um, and things like that? So these are the kind of tasks in a big process. So we look at the process end to end, and then we look at the technology that is being used um, to run within an organization. And it could be sometimes, you know, many, many times we have seen that technology, um, uh, we do have a, a lot of areas where we don't even do anything with the technology. We just change the process and things work very differently, very efficiently. And the last thing is obviously the, the performance of the end to end process. So um, it could be the time it takes, it could be the, the reduction of errors um, that it can, you know, it can eliminate the, um, uh, the, the volumes it can handle because we are now doing it differently. So all these factors come into, come into play. And this whole bundle of whole, the, the entire exercise of making a process uh, more efficient, uh, more, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, error-free is, and of course, making it more scalable. That means with uh, the same amount of uh, resources, it could be people resources, it could be, um, you know, uh, technical assets, which is resources. You are, you are being able to scale up your volumes to at least three to five folds because you're doing things differently. So that is intelligent process automation. I hope I have answered your question. It's a long answer to a to your first question, Edgar. That's fine, Ajay. What are the challenges and opportunities associated with the 
intelligent process automation? So there are, um, as I mentioned to you, um, our uh, experience over the last, I mean, we've been doing this for now six years when we first started on this journey. Um, so the challenges uh, are, are, you know, they come from many, um, many sides of the, of the business in which we are actually looking at. But uh, for us, the biggest challenge we see, and we've, I mean, we, we've seen this happen in pretty much every um, single organization that uh, we, we've, um, we, we've started this transformation is the cultural change and the people who are running these processes and to get them to a different mindset and start them to accept a different way of doing things is the biggest challenge. And unless there is a top-down um, um, mandate from the CEO or the board or, um, you know, or from uh, the very senior most person in the organization to embark on this journey, then it continues to become, um, that we continue to have a pushback from the people who are actually you know, involved in these processes. But many organizations we've seen that you know, they're willing to change and there is a lot of um, enthusiasm. There's a lot of motivation to do things differently. So th that is the, one of the biggest challenges uh, that we see. Um, getting the process um, streamlined and making it more efficient um, is a, something that is, with, these days with whatever we are, uh, whatever technology is available and the way things are uh, developing in various markets, I think the globalization, the cloud platforms, everything makes it very simple. Um, and technology per se, as to what technology we choose, um, either it's RPA, uh, robotic process automation, or we are putting in an NLP, NLG engine, or we're putting in an AI uh, artificial intelligence platform, that is uh, the simpler, simplify, that's, that's the easier problem to handle because getting a solution together, I think that's, that's the most easiest problem to handle. But getting the people to do things differently. And many times we've seen that a process was running for many, many years, uh, you know, as I mentioned, because somebody had decided it 20 years, down, 20 years back that this is how we're gonna run it. Um, of course, at that point of time, that was the best way to do it because there was a lot of things that were not existent, right? Uh, but now to continue to do it in the similar manner is not uh, the right way to do it. And I think uh, the people who continue to run that process need to be explained. And I think once they are over that, that, that barrier of yes, there are better ways of doing things, it's gonna make our life easier. And you know what? Um, if I stop doing this repetitive task, um, which takes 80% of my time, I will do much bigger things in the organizations once that transformation, once that leap of faith, um, and once they are ready to walk on that path, then it's a very quick transformation. Um, and, and uh, you know, people just start, uh, then it's a, it's a smooth sailing of how we can implement the IPA technology in any organization. It has been observed that for more complex processes, there are some intelligent process automation tools that has inability on automating all these step process. Relatively, it has been recognized that not all processes are appropriate for automation. In view of this, how do we incorporate an IPA methodology on this particular circumstance? You're correct, um, Edgar, Ed, and it's um, absolutely right. Uh, not all processes are um, can be automated, um, but I would say um, all processes can be made efficient. So IPA doesn't stop, or it's not just about implementing a technology in a process. The IPA um, journey starts when we look at a process, 
we try to make a process efficient. And um, with that, when, I'm, when I say that, we have, and I'll give you an example when, um, when I'm saying that, right? Is that there, on one of our engagements in a bank, and of course, for sensitive purposes, I will not tell the name of the bank. Um, we, were ident we, were, we had identified 76 processes that we were looking at. Out of that, why we had um, a, a definite solution for almost 50 plus processes. There were 20 odd processes where we never in, in, invented or implemented any technology to change it. It was just the way the hands-off were happening had to be eliminated. Um, it was a lot of lean and Six Sigma uh, type of exercises and um, you know improve, improvement uh, plans that we had to put in place. But having said that, we work mainly with banks and we, we have expanded our domain to other um, uh, other industries as well. In the banks, one thing we have seen is that there are a lot of regulatory um, challenges um, and you know sensitive information that cannot be shared. There is a there is an absolute need for maker checker kind of um, concept where um, uh, you know there is uh, still the regulators mandate that. And in those cases, yes, the there is a big need for us to um, uh, you know honor and respect the jurisdiction um, and not go into full automation um, because there's a lot of exposure there and there is a lot of um, there's, there's a lot of risk for the bank as well having said that um, you know just the automation part of it I would just like to give you a very crass and put it in a very name um, uh, uh, terms is if your process is really bad, and when I say I'm gonna use the word crap, right? If your process is crap, you're just automating it and making the crap move faster. So unless you don't streamline the process and make it efficient, any automation on top of that, either automation or no automation, right? Is not gonna help you. So intelligent process automation is first, we break down the process, we look at how best we can make it efficient and it can be automated, it cannot be automated. That's a different, that's a different question altogether. And um, then we look at how we can um, take it to the next level. So do you answer your question? Yes, there are certain processes where uh, technology um, um, might not be able to clearly solve all the problems, but intelligent process automation is a, is a, it has a palette of different technologies. So now if you look at one single product, every product that is available in the market has a limitation at some point of time in some uh, uh, areas where it cannot excel. Intelligent process automation, and what we do is we, we, we combine, we, we complement these different products so that we get a fantastic result. We get a higher rate of um, conversion up to at least 95% plus uh, for most of our businesses and most of our clients. So of course it comes sometimes with a price, sometimes, um, you know, and, and the client has, a, has the final decision to accept it and move it, depends on what's his business cases. But um, uh, intelligent process automation, the framework, the methodology gets you closer to automation by using multiple different technologies in combination with um, your RPA, your AI, your NLG, and various different various different technologies to give you the best result. But yes, there are there are processes which cannot be automated, and there are some which should not be. We clearly understand that, and we walk out of that. We just make it efficient, and we just walk out of that. How do you foresee the intelligence process automation in the next few years, and what should be our expectation on this regard? So it's a very interesting question. Then you know, um, uh, when we decided to uh, uh, get our focus, uh, so for Argus Global to um, focus on this particular segment, um, uh, I think our journey started almost in 2014-15. Um, 
we did some study in, you know, through the different, um, uh, we did some um, research to, to look at how this industry and how this sector is going to evolve. And as for the, and we, we continue to do this. And this is a pre-COVID study. And mind you, after COVID, things have changed only in favor of automation for whatever is happening around. Um, but just pre-COVID, um, there are a couple of, couple of uh, um, uh, findings here. So the pre-COVID data suggests that um, the total number of the, the, the number of um, derived business through intelligent process automation is close to $4 trillion, right? So what does it mean actually? So $4 trillion is, um, is it the kind of business that is expected? It is the, so through intelligent process automation, um, the amount of activity or the amount of total uh, 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 value of the business that will be generated around intelligent automation is close to four, $4 trillion. U.S. at the moment, or this is, I'm saying 2018-19, U.S. at that point of time was 40% of the spend in IPA, right? And the number $4 trillion is something which I'm quoting based on all these studies. And and, and this is the spend as of 2022. And this is a pre-COVID number, which I'm telling you. And in the next five years, starting from, I think, starting from now, the spend pattern is going to shift to Asia. The spend pattern, they're expecting the spend pattern to be 45 to 55% happening, going to happen in Asia because the US is uh, ahead of the curve. They've already, they have been spending a significant amount of uh, money on automation. Um, up till 2018, there was, they were, um, you know, spending 40%. The major spend is coming in Asia, predominantly because the BPOs are here. You have the captive centers in Asia. You have a large scale, um, uh, you know, there's a huge population in Asia to start with. You have two giants, uh, you know, uh, in terms of the um, human population, India and China. And um, of course, there is, IPA is still catching up in, in this part of the world, in this part of the world. So um, we are seeing a phenomenal uptake in IPA um, conversations that we are having, having with our with our some of our clients, and more and more people are getting aware of that. Now, COVID is only, you know, accelerated or even built the need to an exponential level. So I don't know a number. I can't even put a number beyond four trillion there, but it is it, it will be only higher because there are more people now coming to us to look at it seriously. Initially, the discussions used to be, hey, we want to do this. It's good to have, you've heard about it. Can you do a POC? Today, I'm in a situation where clients are saying, we have to do it. It's not, we want to do it. We have to do it because um, we see a tremendous uptake there. We see there's a big dependency, uh, which on, on certain um, elements within the organization, and by automation, it's going to just, uh, you know, uh, it's going to open up um, too many um, avenues for us to grow, to absorb higher capacity, and to make things efficient and make it error-free. And it's 24 by 7, right? If, uh, if you're having an automated engine running in your data center, it is like, it is like a human, per, human being it's a digital human sitting 24 by 7 in a data center without a salary. Of course, you pay for his license and stuff. But And once you've trained him to do X, Y, and Z, and everything that you want him to do, he's just going to churn out and make things uh, happen for you uh, 24 by 7. Um, so uh, if you use that analogy, then um, there is a big, big, big um, scope in this space. 
And of course, we are um, working with different domains. Uh, we start with banking, now we're doing it with manufacturing, we're doing it with um, travel, of course, that's taken a backseat in COVID times, uh, but we're doing it with uh, hospitals, we're doing it with the airport, we're doing it with um, um, uh, you know, banking, insurance, all kinds of clients. They're coming to us with very unique requests. Um, and it starts with a business problem that they need to solve, but eventually it comes to a tech technical uh, uh, solution that needs to be installed after we've made the process very efficient. Are there any case studies that you may want to share with regards to the usage of intelligent process automation on various business industries for the benefit of our podcast listening audience who are learning it for the very first time? Um, uh, we do have, I do have um, two or three case studies. I'll try to um, explain them uh, without taking names of our clients. So um, the first one, of course, um, is for a bank. Uh, so this bank, um, it's, it's a bank in Asia, one of the, uh, one of the biggest markets in Asia. Um, and it's, it, it was, uh, they approached us uh, asking us um, uh, with a very specific business strategic initiative that they had launched in their, um, in, uh, in, at the board level, that they wanted to be um, amongst the five, six different things they wanted to achieve in the next three years. One of the things which they, they uh, um, uh, invited us to solve was they wanted to be um, the a leading um, auto loan, um, uh, you know, uh, they wanted to be number in the top three auto uh, in dispersing auto loans, right? To increase the auto loan book. Um, auto loan is for cars, um, you know, giving car loans. Um, so, of course, that was a business statement. Um, when we got in there, um, our approach was very simple. We needed to first look at uh, how they would, how they were actually managing the auto loan. Uh, um, the loan origination part. So how are they actually looking at um, uh, dispersing the loans? So it's a, very, it's a very common knowledge that once you go uh, with your family to select a car in a dealer shop, um, you would be definitely asking for, hey, what are the options for, for a loan? Um, and uh, what used to happen is the information used to be collected. It used to be sent over an email and um, somebody at the bank would then run some credit checks on this individual, look at his salary, look at his uh, past loan history or whatever, and then come back with a, with a number. The number used to be how much, for how, how long, and what is the interest rate. So what would be the loan amount, uh, at what interest rate, for how many years, right? That used to take, that used to take a day or two, depending upon what time of the week, what time of the day the person has gone to the trader, the, to, to, the, to the dealership, the car dealership. Now they were missing out and they were losing out on business because the turnaround time there was two, at least 24 hours to 48 hours, right? We looked at the process. We actually dissected the process. Step-by-step, step, we started looking at what were the, what were the bottlenecks that were holding them back to come back to the client. We gave ourselves a challenge that we need to do it in 20 minutes. I think this is, um, this is I'm talking about 2014, 15. Um, we, we gave a challenge that from two days, it needs to come down to 15 days, otherwise 15 minutes, otherwise it's, no, it's, not gonna, it's not gonna work, right? For them to have a significant advantage over the competition. And while we started breaking down the process, we realized that there were too many hands off too many unnecessary, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, manual interventions to come up with the scoring and deciding on a number. And after we had automated all that, we achieved our 15-minute target. So what happened was, of course, it took them some time to capture the market, but they are now in the in the top two position from where they were lower down at number eight or nine, okay? That's a significant change. That's a significant uh, take. So that is one example. And of course we did quite a lot of things in that particular bank 
uh, other than this, but this was a significant one. This, which was for a travel agency, right? Now this travel agency, um, uh, it, they manage inbound business uh, within uh, one of the major countries in the Middle East. And um, they work with a lot of hotels to book hotels and make those hotels available on their website for people to book. And what was happening was there was an army of people sitting in the back office, taking in all the promotions and contracts that the hotels were sending them uh, to promote their hotel occupancy, right? And that was being converted into information that went on the website. So there was an army of at least 20 people and every hotel used to release one promotion every week in different formats, in various different formats. Some people used to send emails, some people used to send, um, you know, uh, a, a colorful page PDF. Some people used to send a rate card. Some people used to send different, different formats. But of course, on the receiving end, there were people who were literally waiting, sitting in three batches, I would say two, two ships, and looking at these documents and then pulling out the information and putting the server. What we did was we looked at the process. We looked at the way in which this information was being received. And then we put an AI engine over there, which was trained to pick up any kind of promotion that was coming from any of the hotels, get the extract the information out, get that information into the system for the people, their clients to do the booking online. So the promotion could come literally at two o'clock in the morning and that would be catered to, right? Um, so this is one example. Now the third example is again, this last one is a manufacturing unit, a large manufacturing unit in India, which is very, very well known in the men's clothing. It's one of the top brands. They had an issue where their fabric was, um, uh, they were having an issue with the fabric that was getting processed in the last mile they were having a lot of issues uh, because the data that was coming from their machines was not being checked full time. And it was impossible to check data from machines coming from you know, uh, almost 300 machines. Um, and because of that, they were having various different defects in their, in their fabric. So what we did was we looked at the process. We looked at how the, the, the pattern of the, the fabric, the way it was being processed and moved around on the, on the finishing side. And we collected this data. We did, we put an AI ops platform um, and started giving them alerts if there was any peculiar um, error or uh, anomaly happening on any of the machines, which brought down the rejection ratio tremendously to by at least four to 5%. So their rejection was um, uh, almost 12% we brought it down to 9%. So these are some very unique examples and it's in interesting to uh, tie it with a business outcome um, because then, um, you know, more and more people start getting motivated to embrace IPA and it can, it can really give you a lot of um, upside in, in, uh, your, in your outcomes that you're looking for. The jobs of the future will somehow require a reskilling of our human workforce, particularly in the field of digital innovation. Where are we now in terms of achieving this objective? So, um, so yes, there is. Um, you definitely need different set of people to do um, to bring in this automation. Um, uh, and, and one thing which uh, I wanted to always, uh, uh, you know, educate our clients is automation is not always about uh, job losses, right? Um, automation is always about upgrading your own skills to do things differently within an organization. So it is the same thing like when, you know, the same analogy is when people were using horses and when there was automobile revolution, people thought that, hey, you know what? A lot of people are going to lose their jobs because now cars are going to be coming in. Uh, who will be, um, 
what are the stables going to do? What are the shoemakers? Sorry, all uh, that. Um, you know how you're going to uh, uh, feed the horses and you know the people, the entire industry that was around it. How will that survive? But that there was a there, there was a transformation, right? Cars came in, cars took over, horses faded away, horsebacks have faded away, horse carriages have gone. I think we are in the same phase where there are two sets of workforces that we need to train. One is the people who are developing the solutions. Of course, there is a, a big, uh, um, you know, vacuum there in terms of the amount of people that will be needed to actually come up with the solutions. And we don't have that many good, talented people. So um, what we do is in Arches Global, we have an intense um, top-down uh, uh, you know, um, on your personal front, you would have to get every quarter, you need to get certified on some sort of a technology. I wouldn't say certified, but you need to get upgraded to be abreast with some of the technologies. Uh, so that's the personal objective year on year for every individual in the organization, let it be HR, even if for HR, admin, finance, everybody needs to do that. That not only gives you um, an awareness of what's happening outside, but also gives you an awareness that yes, a lot of things can be changed. Now coming to the people who are actually um, going to bring this, build the solutions. Yes, we do have a lot of um, programs. Uh, we do take a lot of um, uh, fresh grads and train them and incentivize them to stay with, a, with the organization. Equally on the client side, when we do the transformation, there is also a huge amount of training required for people who are going to use the technology that they're going to, um, that they're going to, um, that we've solution that we work for them. So what happens there is they, um, once they are trained, they become a workforce that promotes, promote, you know, and also uh, carries their, carry their experience in new jobs they find in the different places they go. And that's how, this whole community spreads and that's how this whole um, you know revolution will, is going to happen so um, but yes in this space there is uh, you know i would say if we are needing if there are 10 people currently there is definitely a need to have similar skills of at least 10 folds so we need, need at least 100 people and we can do much much more progress many times we don't commit a lot because there is a limitation to how much we can actually deliver because there are not many people to deliver. But there is a definite dearth of, um, um, sorry, there's a definite um, uh, vacuum in terms of the... What are the significant hurdles that your group have encountered on implementing intelligent process automation? And what are the relevant takeaways from these experiences? So our, um, as I think I've mentioned this before as well, um, uh, we, you know, we work at four different levels, right? We work on looking at um, the processes, we look at people, we look at technology, and we look at the KPIs and the organization. Um, our biggest hurdle is convincing, I mean, convincing the people uh, and the the, the organizational rigidity to change because organizations are finally people, right? So when I say people, uh, organization, culture of an, uh, of an organization, it's finally uh, the people who make it. The technology part is the easiest part in this whole migration. And um, what we've done is we have a process in which from the very beginning of our engagement, we have devised certain um, templates and certain framework and the engagement model, the governance model, the interaction um, that we have with the teams that we work with is so different whereby we actually get the people on board on this particular journey. So they themselves, uh, add a, when we come to a point where now they need to be convinced they, or, or they are convinced that this is the right way to go. The people who have resisted the most for the change 
are the ones who have actually stood up in front of the managing board or the managing committee and presented a case for a change. Once you have achieved that, you, you've, won the, you've won the automation battle, uh, or not battle, but you know, you've won the, won the concept. 90% um, you're home because the technology solution is something that they'll ensure they'll make work. They will make things happen and they will come up with innovative ways of finding solutions if you get stuck on a process. For example, if there is a requirement for you to have uh, multiple uh, uh, approvals in a process um, you know, for a simple you know, um, um, invoice clearing or a payment or whatever, they will come up with different ways to change the process, to alter it, of course, without exposing um, the risk of um, any, any regulatory risk or any uh, legal risk. They will make sure that they will overcome this and give you the right solution. I would say um, the biggest challenge I've seen, maybe, you know, I'm playing it a little, downplaying the technology part a little bit less because uh, I myself am an engineer and I've, I've done with, dealt with technology for the last so many years. So I don't see technology as the biggest challenge or finding the right solution. Uh, and I'm looking at people as <laughs> that, but I, I've spoken to all my uh, you know, industry uh, partners and I think this is a common challenge that everyone would face. I've, I've seen this uh, recurring uh, experience for most of the people. What is the adaptability ratio that you have observed on the intelligent process automation on various regions and across different business industries? So as, as usual, um, and that's where we started as well, um, you know, the banking and financial institutes, financial services um, are the first to adopt uh, intelligent process automation. They are the first pioneers, I think, to try out uh, these kind of things. And they have always been there. They're ahead of the curve. Um, and we've also seen insurance as, um, I mean, a, a close sec second, I would say. I mean, people call it banking, financial services, and insurance as one industry, but um, insurance and healthcare. So healthcare spans from uh, your, um, your medical um, insurance to your absolute healthcare, where we're talking about um, you know, hospitals and pharmaceutical and all those industries. So that is also quite a, a significant domain and industry where um, uh, it's bringing a lot of change. With COVID, um, you know, with this pandemic, um, that has changed, um, th that has uh, you know, made certain industries to adopt automation more rapidly than uh, what they, were, they would have done before. But I think um, banking and financial services are still far ahead of the game. EKYC is a known thing in every bank. Uh, digital banking has become a standard norm in every bank. Um, uh, you know, payment clearing, uh, you know, digital platforms for payment, all these things are now, it's a given, right? It's, it's a FinTech is a, like, it's, it's over, it's bursting with so many different solutions these days. The other industries which are catching up, I think we are dealing right now with, with every single industry. We're looking at manufacturing, we're looking at retail, we're looking at logistics and shipping, entertainment, um, you can call, you can name it in every single industry. Um, we, we, we are um, seeing that there's, uh, they're, they're catching up, but precisely banking and financial services are predominantly the most uh, advanced in trying out new things and you know, really innovating things. Given your wealth of experience on the digital innovation, any advice that you can give relative to this particular endeavor? I would say um, uh, we are right now, um, and I'm saying only from, from an Asia point of view, sitting in Asia, we have just started the journey here. Um, and we've just scratched the surface. Right, um, and right now we're looking at automation where it's only capturing information and using it um, 
in a way to make the process better. But that's just the starting point. Um, and and what we are seeing right now is there are a lot of um, uh, uh, the, there are a lot of opportunities and possibilities in every organization to automate uh, or or to do, to run an IPA uh, framework need not be an automation at the which, which results in an automation at the end of course it is IPA and intelligent process automation but intelligent process in itself is a first step forward to make our organizations uh, more efficient. And um, if you can include automation to that, fantastic. Then, then you've really crossed the whole mark. So uh, a business process is always, um, uh, we can make it, we can make it um, much efficient. And um, we see there are three areas in which it impacts significantly, knowingly or unknowingly, and we can really uh, measure it uh, at times, is for us to gain new business. So you definitely uh, lifts your top line up. It definitely makes your organization very, very efficient. And the third thing is it gives you immense capacity um, to go and grow to increase your volume because at the back end you can support it without any issues because you already have been taken care of, you made everything, you fine-tuned your process and now you're ready to take a bigger challenge. So we've seen organizations uh, when we when we started with them, their issue was hey, I have 10 people doing so much of work if I take an additional um, set of um, processing, I need to add another 10 people. Um, that was the challenge. When we, that was the first then when we walked in. When we finished this assignment, we had scaled down that number 10, initial number 10 to three, and they were ready to accept not only that additional piece of work that they were talking about, but at least looking at two or three other similar size of uh, capacity to be added on to this the entire process. So um, uh, I think I think uh, we just started to we just scratched scratched the surface. We just started on this journey, and uh, we we really want to. Um, there, there are tremendous opportunities, endless opportunities on how we, want, we can take it. And there are so many organizations in every single sector that are really crying for help. Uh, and and they, can be, they can be moved into a very um, um, efficient businesses um, by doing some simple things and adopting IPA. Are there any digital initiatives that you're working on, Ajay, that you would like to share with our podcast listening audience? And what are the easiest way in reaching out or contacting you? Yeah, so we have, um, so we have uh, uh, quite a few initiatives that uh, we're working on. So right now, what we're working on is productizing um, our experience into uh, making off-the-shelf products where um, Clients could literally go onto our website and uh, we would be creating a sandbox for them to look at, test out, try out uh, certain functionalities uh, where um, if they want to, you know, there are certain processes we see are recurring uh, challenges in every organization. So what we're going to launch is um, on our website, we're going to launch a sand sandbox environment where they could log in try out to um, you know, uh, use certain technologies, um, get satisfied with the outcome, and then engage us to, um, to, to um, come up and do the entire IPA. So that is, that is one thing, which is only for, the, uh, for some of our clients. Um, we are also looking at two distinct pro products that we are um, actually coming up with 
because we see there's a big uh, vacuum or um, uh, in, in this particular space is one is for the manufacturing environment whereby we are launching um, a, a product with end-to-end uh, -end AI ops platform which will give them a view of how um, they could control them, control their capacity, they could plan their production and also reduce their um, and ensure their quality, uh, high standards of quality by using artificial intelligence um, in, in the way they operate their factories. Um, so that is that is one product that we're looking at. And we are also looking at um, a paperless um, or, or, or a new form um, of digital banking. That means um, completely paperless banking. Uh, so many times digital, a word is very loosely used. Uh, many times, if I have scanned my, um, uh, my, my document and put it on SharePoint, it is digital. So that is just putting your, you're making it paperless, but you're not making it digital. Yeah, you've got rid of paper, but you're not making it digital. A complete end-to-end -end digital experience is something very different. Right, and we have a prototype for um, uh, a new uh, digital bank platform, which does not compromise any functionality that a person would get in the bank when he walks into the bank, uh, but will have um, a completely paperless digital banking experience. And we are, of course, um, tied up with uh, you know in partnership with some other companies, and of course with um, some of the um, local government authorities which I can't disclose now, coming up with very specific products uh, catering to um, uh, local language capabilities and um, the non-English uh, audience or the non-English languages, uh, which, which uh, now need to be serviced uh, more and more. Um, how do you get in touch with us? We have a website, which is, I think has most of the information. Um, we do a lot of things. Um, I don't know how much of it is actually, um, you know, we, we we try to put as much as possible on the website, uh, but you can actually send us an email on info, I-N-F-O, at argusglobal.com. And we'll pick it up and someone will definitely get in touch with you. Or you could write an email to me, ajay.kotkar at argusglobal.com. Thanks so much, Ajay, for sharing us your remarkable experience on intelligent process automation. Wish you all the best and more success digital initiatives in the future. Thank you. Thank you, Edgar. intelligent process automation. We would like to hear from you. Share us your thoughts regarding our topics and send us a message on the Anchor Voice message box. Your message could end up on our future podcast episode. Make sure you never miss any episodes of FinCircle by clicking the subscribe button or follow us on Spotify. 
Google Podcast, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocketcast, Overcast, Apple Podcast, Audible, Amazon Podcast, and Anchor.fm. You can also reach us on our website at fincircle.wordpress.com and our Facebook page at Fincircle Podcast. This concludes our podcast episode today. Thank you for listening on Fin Circle. This is Ed Angelus. Let's catch up again soon.